0: The 26th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now.
1: Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan jumper from out on the left. Good. Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical for foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out the head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89 72. And how about them Tar heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti. It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, back with you guys uh, as always. Today, we got some uh, recruiting news to talk about as Carolina added a piece to the 2022 class. We will break down that commitment. We got some other news and notes at the end of today's show, but we start, as always, with the pod thought of the day. And without looking at the rundown... I did not look at that part of the rundown. Who do you... No, don't look at it. I'm not
1: looking... Dude, I'm seriously not looking at... Who do you think we go to today for today's pod thought? Ooh, I don't know. He had a big day on the recruiting trail, so maybe Hubert? No. Damn. I don't know.
0: We stick with the Carolina fabric. Oh, but wow, I figured wow, wow. with it being football season, we'd go down the road to Keenan Memorial Stadium. Oh my god. Oh, here we go, baby. We go to Mac Brown. Dude. And I think Mac needs to maybe look at this his own quote and apply it. I know we probably should apply it as well with the way Carolina has looked the first 2 weeks on the football field. Mac once said, Things are never quite as good as they look. Quite and never, as good. Yeah. Quite, no, quite as good as they look and quite as bad as they seem.
1: Okay, so what do you. What, 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 <laughs> See now, see now, now, now you're going to get me get get me arguing about the football program here. Well, what are you saying he needs to take out of out of out of this that uh, the team is? not They don't look
0: as, as good as he, he's trying to make them seem coming out of the uh, Georgia State
1: win. Well, to be fair, when you when you are going to do a press conference about your team that you're going to coach at some point. You are going to come out and say that this is the worst team that yes. I've ever seen, and every one of these kids should never play sports ever again. Negativity
0: <laughs> is the is the <laughs> oh, the key to success.
1: Oh come on, come on! Nah, I I I don't I don't put, know. About put that, that on. Put that on the 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 board. Put that on a t-shirt because guess what? That ain't gonna sell.
0: Um, but so there was what Mac Brown said, not saying that things are as bad with Carolina basketball as they are, as they have been in the past. Uh, they definitely aren't as good as they have been in the past, but we sit here the day of recording, feeling pretty good about the upcoming basketball season. We're feeling even better today because Carolina landed a recruit and it's, it's really important because as I put in the article that you can go check out on heel tough blog.com, um, when, when you think of Carolina basketball and the teams that won national championships, you think of the great point guard play that you got from a Raymond Felton and a Ty Lawson. You think of the great post players from a Sean May, Tyler Hansborough, Kennedy Meeks. But what often gets overlooked is that Carolina, in those, with those national title teams, had dynamic wing players, Jawad Williams, Marvin Williams, Danny Green, uh, Justin Jackson. And since Cam Johnson left, Carolina has not had a dynamic wing player, and it's really no reason – it shouldn't have come as a shock as to why the program has struggled the last two years. Not saying that not having a wing player is an excuse to go 14-19, and 19, because it's not, but you could definitely tell last year with Carolina's inability to shoot the ball that if they had a dynamic wing player, they might have been a much more competitive team in the ACC, when Hubert Davis got hired, that was one of the main things he was looking for on the recruiting trail. They got involved with Tyler Nickel when they were going to when they when he was scouting Camp Whitmore. If you remember, he saw Tyler Nickel at the same camp, saw him score 36 points on four of eight three-point shooting the next day. Offered him a scholarship when he put together the staff of Jeff Lebo, Jackie Manuel, Sean May, Brad Frederick, and those guys. Pat Sullivan. Um, he made it known that getting Nickel or Whitmore to Chapel Hill was a priority for what the way, especially the way we were wanting to play under Hubert Davis. Um, that hard work paid off. Tyler Nickel committed to Carolina today. He was on campus over the weekend. Initially, this podcast was going to be recapping that visit, but instead, we get to talk about him committing to Carolina. Um and it, it was really big when I mean, it came down to it. Um, Nichols, the number seventy-five player in the country, the number twenty-two small forward, and the number two player from the state of Virginia, according to twenty-four-seven sports. The biggest thing that you can take away from this um, is Carolina won a recruiting battle with an ACC school, Virginia Tech, and Carolina were his last two. He basically eliminated Butler, Iowa, and LSU from his recruitment. Um, this is after. Missing out on Justin Taylor, who went to Syracuse, who was a small forward player that fits the mold that that Tyler Nickel fits. Um, but just a really big step in the right direction. You get that dynamic wing player. He joins a class that consists of Jalen Washington, Seth Trimble, and Will Shaver. So we sit here today, and it looks like Carolina has a guy that's going to be pretty big for this program moving forward in the new era of Carolina basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean, he... You you can tell by the rankings He looks like a guy That's probably going to be here For a few years So he's a guy That's going to be A developmental prospect Not a guy that They're probably going to look To come in And and take over A a significant role Early on But yeah I mean There's a a lot of things To like about him I mean he's at As you mentioned He's at a position That uh, has been One of need for you For a while now Even when you got Cam Johnson Remember that you got him As a transfer So really Carolina's probably Still been looking for that next dynamic guy that can come in um, and, and sort of be a two, three, four year guy in the system really since Justin Jackson left. Uh, and I, I think that there is definitely potential that he could be the guy. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of things to, to like about uh, about his game and uh, I definitely think that he fits the mold as, as that guy that uh, you know Carolina is looking for that, that was the one thing with Cam Johnson was we knew what Cam Johnson was and he was a hell of a guy at it which was shooting the three ball he wasn't a guy that was going to drive the basket Tyler Nickel can do that and sort of fits the mold to a lesser extent of a guy that I feel like a lot of Carolina fans wanted last recruiting cycle or two recruiting cycles ago. From, from this one, in Zaire Williams. That was a guy that a lot of Carolina fans were eyeing. They really thought that that would be huge for the program, but they didn't land him. I feel like this is, you know throughout if he can sort of develop he could potentially turn into that sort of small forward maybe not quite at the level that Zaire Williams was I don't know if he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft Uh, but I do think that there are a lot of likable qualities with him and it gives Carolina a a guy that can come in and at least I think he looks like a guy that that, that will be able to make some sort of impact early on I don't think he's a guy that you want to start day one but I think that despite where he is ranked in the country, don't let that fool you into thinking that he's not a guy that could come in and help you out for a a prestigious program like North Carolina.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the expectation is going to be a contributor from the moment he arrives on campus, and whether that's you know six to eight points a game coming off the bench, depending on what happens, the way the roster shakes out, whether Leaky Black is back next year, if Puff Johnson takes a step in his development, he's a bench player, or, or whatnot, I, I do think he has the ability, and I think the biggest part about this whole recruiting class that's being put together right now is all those guys seem that like they'll be ready to make an impact when they arrive on campus. And that's something that, under Roy Williams, wasn't always the case, but it usually never really mattered because there was so much seniority on the roster, so much experience that those guys could, could wait a year. Um, in the era that we are living in now with college athletics, with the transfer portal – that's not really an option. If these guys are not getting the playing time that they want, they'll simply jump ship and go find somewhere else to play basketball. Um, and so I think that's something that you're seeing with Hubert Davis is that even if as he's bringing these guys in that are going to be multiple-year players, and I think Tyler Nichols is definitely going to be a two- to three-year type of guy, they're guys that will have a role the very first year they get on campus, that way they feel a part of the team, a part of the program, and those thoughts of transferring
1: um, never really enters their mind. I mean, we saw it with Kerwin Walton. Like, he was a guy that coming in, most people probably looked at his ranking and said, well, I mean, we, were gra- we were glad to get him. I mean, we remember that saga very, very well. People were extremely excited to get him. But I think a lot of people looked at him and said, well, it's probably going to take him a few years. Yeah. I and mean, That's The the problem that I think a lot of people still have is when they look at a guy as being a two or three or maybe even a four-year player, they look at them and say, well, this is like back in the mid-2000s where that means your freshman year, you will literally not play at all. That's not how it's going to work. I mean, especially because, look, Carolina's developed some depth at some of these spots, but... (sighs) I mean not at the small, wing small forward yeah that's a spot they still need some help at and I'm going to be honest like look at the guys that are there right now I mean there there's a chance that somebody could break out this year who's that guy that you're looking at right now and saying we know for sure he is better than Tyler Nickel I don't know if that guys there like I think Puff Johnson has a chance to be a really good player but I don't know that he's
0: better than Tyler well, Nickel. I, I think the biggest thing is that you look at Carolina's three small forwards, and let's just list those as Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, and Justin McCoy. We'll, yep. we'll list yep. Justin McCoy as a wing player.
1: Potentially, Dontre Styles. Potentially as well, but we got to well. see how they're going to use. But him.
0: we also yeah. haven't seen him in in the college landscape the way he's going to be used as Hebert Davis. Under Hebert Davis, we've seen the other and even. Puff Johnson a little bit, but we've seen some of those guys. We saw Justin McCoy at Virginia. They all do a lot of things very well. Leaky Black, as we all know, has the ability to impact the game on both of the court as well as any guy on this roster today. Um, Justin McCoy coming from Virginia, we know he, he can defend at a high level because if you don't defend for Tony Bennett, you don't play. Puff Johnson, we saw last year has the ability to be a good offensive rebounder. Um, he's the youngest brother or the younger brother of Cam Johnson, so shooting the basketball well is literally in his vein. He, he can do that. Um, but are they a dynamic scorer? No, they're, they're not guys that you can run your offense through that we have seen so far. From what you've seen from Tyler Nickel in the high school and AAU ball and all that leading up to this commitment, is he's more than capable
1: of being your first option as an offensive player. He um, can pass the ball well, too, man. I, I mean, he moves the ball about as well as, as you could hope for your your, your three or, um, I mean, potentially even if you were to want to use him at the four, which I don't think we'd see many many op- times that that would happen. Well, But, but he, he moves the ball well. Which is important because I think the things that people always forget about
0: when you want to play small ball – and you want to play with all these different point guards or or positionless basketball. And we saw it last year, and you brought this up a ton. Passing is the most uh, thing that gets forgotten about the most in terms of just a basic skill until you can't make passes. And how many times last year – Did we see Carolina simply not be able to make basic entry-level passes to Armando Baycott, whoever was posted up on the block, the ball gets deflected, stolen, and they go down the other way for a layup, dunk, three, whatever. If you can do that with all these different guys, it makes you that much harder to defend. I'm not saying that they're going to be like the Golden State Warriors, but when you look at when Golden State was at their heyday, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Durant, they could pass the ball as well as anybody from whether they're getting double teamed, no matter the position on the court. And I think that's something you brought up to a good point is that, you know, it'll be able to make Carolina's offense more wide open and more free-flowing if your three or four guy can also handle
1: the ball for you. Yeah, I mean, I've said that a lot with even bringing in Dawson Garcia. That's a guy that looks much more capable of handling the ball at the top of the key, driving the lane. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's And the thing about the you know, failing to be able to get the ball inside easily with entry passes, even some of the, you know, fast breaks that you've just thrown errant passes that uh, that that you just leave you scratching your head. The biggest thing with that is is that it's a two-year problem. It hasn't just been a one-year problem. This is back-to-back years where there are multiple times where you are just left scratching your head, saying, "How do we not get the? Uh, how can we not get the ball inside without turning it over?" I, I think, and again, if you go back and watch some of these other guys' high school highlight tapes, they probably are pretty good passers of the ball too. This is something that still has to be developed, but I think it is—it's something that you do have to take a little bit of, of confidence in that you know you're seeing these guys on film at least, getting the job done in terms of their passing ability. And with him, I mean, like you said, he's got a scorer's mentality to him. I don't know, even when he was coming out of high school, if a guy like Leaky Black, that wasn't what Leaky Black was. Leaky Black was looked at coming out of high school as what college Theo Pinson was. Theo Pinson coming out of high school was a, could, could score the ball. The Carolina thought they were getting him. When you looked at Leaky Black, you, you looked at a guy that you thought was a glue guy. He was a guy that was going to play good defense. He was going to do some good things for you athletically. But ultimately, did you look at him as a guy that you thought I could put the ball in his hand, and he could score 8, 10 straight points for me. Yeah. No. Tyler Nickel has some of that to his game. I'm not saying that that's what he's going to end up being ultimately, but you can see a scorer's mentality to him, a guy that wants to drive the basket, can be aggressive, can play through contact, but also a guy that has a pretty good shot on him. I, I, but, but but, the most encouraging thing for me is that this is not a guy that is – is. That, that specifies in one area. When you watch his highlight tape, you're not saying to yourself, well, this guy's a three-point shooter. This, th- this guy's, you know, only someone who can, you know, drive the lane. He doesn't have that outside shot. Because when we've seen those guys in the past, they haven't really worked out for Carolina. Those guys that specialize in just shooting the three – It's been shown that, hey, at the college level, people are going to be able to take that away from you. So the fact that he can do a lot of these different things, he's also pretty good in transition. There are so many different elements to his offensive game that I think there's a lot of potential there. I think the concern with him is how good of a defender is he? I, that would be probably the only thing. But even that, I mean, there's flashes of a guy that's a willing defender and a good defender. Uh, it, it's just, you know, let, let's see when he comes in here, you know, how quickly he can sort of establish himself in, in you know, a significant role. I've, I've I've said it all summer, and
0: I will say it until it's until it proven wrong. I think Caroline's going to be much more – better defensively I think they're going to be more bought in as a team I think the team will be more willing to play defense I think they'll be more sound technically I think you're going to see different defenses from Caroline that we haven't seen I think we'll see a lot more zone than we've ever seen in our lifetime of watching the Tar Heels Um, and so I do think if that's his lone weakness I do think you can bring that guy along Um, I think this is really big commitment for the staff um, I understand you've got a five star on Jalen Washington. You virtually flipped Seth Tremble from Michigan to your program. You got your developmental big and Will Shaver, but with Tyler Nickel, this is what this this is what this program needs. This has been the the focus of the program all, all all season on the recruiting trail. I think the biggest thing is that when Nickel was you know releasing his comments about his recruitment, and he made it known that look. As most high-level basketball players are, he wants to get to the NBA. He wants to get to the NBA. I would be remiss to say that not, if Carolina had if, – if Pat Sullivan wasn't on this staff, I'm not so sure that Nichols is a tar heel today. But I do think that element of having that guy with the last 18 years of his basketball life, being in the NBA, on your staff – was a big uh was a but it swayed his decision from Virginia Tech and Mike Young's a really, really good head coach and they've got a good thing rolling with that program, but you got that Carolina pedigree, you've got a guy that's been in the NBA for the last eighteen years. I do think that played a factor in getting Nickel ultimately to Chapel Hill.
1: I definitely think that's part of it. I mean I, I told you that I would thought that when they made that hire, that was going to be a big draw. But, yeah, I I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Carolina wanted somebody at this position for a while. And let's be honest, I mean, it's been a long time since they've really landed a high-end wing player that panned out the way that they wanted. Remember that they got Nazir Little. But... I don't think that Nazir Little, unless... I mean, and you can correct me on this if you think I'm wrong. I don't think Nazir Little was the player that they thought they were getting.
0: I don't think he was either. But I also think that was a large part of Kobe White just being exceptionally great. And I think it just... It changed the whole dynamic of that team. Whereas when you got Little to commit, he was a five-star... You thought he's coming in. Now, granted, he's going to be a guy off the bench, but he had that Marvin Williams type of feel that if Carolina was going to be really, really good, which there was a potential, the, the potential for them to be, it'd be with a star freshman coming off the bench. Not a star freshman in your backcourt because we didn't think Kobe White was going to be that great his first season at Carolina.
1: I mean, I get it. I'm just – he was a guy that I think people had larger expectations for. They thought that he would come in. and I mean, there were just times where you looked at him and you said to yourself, I mean, when when he went to the NBA, I think some of us were like, ah, he probably could have used another year here at Carolina where – I'll say you know, this. I think people thought – just really quickly. I think people thought when he committed to Carolina, I think most people thought when – We were at the end of the season. We would feel like in our minds, man, this dude's a top-ten pick. No doubt he's going to the NBA. And that was not the feeling I had.
0: No. I'll say this. I think if you put Nazir Little in the system you're going to see under Hubert Davis, he's a much different, more effective, productive player because while Nazir – is in a weird situation with Portland as a bench player. You've seen his game develop. He's taken the steps in the right direction because the floor's more open, and that's where a lot of guys that have his type of skill set, they thrive. Not a knock at Roy Williams because the way he constructed that team to play was the right way to play, and when you got a guy like Kobe White, you're not going to take the ball out of his hands for Nazir Little, but you know, I, I just think um, getting back to you know' we're to the staff and all this right really, really big win um it shuts up the critics after you know you got eliminated from Jaden Bradley you know you're missing out on a Chris Livingston and some of those other guys, but it brings us to the next guy that this uh, this recruitment really affects, and that 's cam Whitmore. And I think, you know, all the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of, we knew we were getting close to one of these two guys making a decision. It felt like one was waiting on the other, which probably leads you to believe that Carolina feels like they're not getting both, even though you would imagine with the remarks, the way the roster is constructed moving forward, they're selling them both on playing together because. They, want, they, they need multiple guys that can play their position because they want to play them both on the court at the same time. Um, so where's that leads with Cam Whitmore? He was at Villanova a few weeks ago, hasn't really been back to Carolina. it has got a little bit of quiet on the Tar Heel front about his recruitment.
1: I, I mean, I, I think, it, to me, if you think that this recruitment is over with Cam Whitmore, I—, I I have to disagree with you. I think, I mean, you look at the difference just in recruiting ranking from these guys. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Cam Whitmore that would probably be here one or two years. As opposed to Nickel, who, I mean, look, is it possible that he comes in, lights it on fire, all of a sudden this dude is a, a guy that goes to the NBA after one or two years? I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. But I don't... He doesn't give that feel. Right, he Kevin gives Garnett. the feel of a a developmental guy where Cam Whitmore gives me the feel of a guy that's going to come in and make an immediate impact, which I think is something that Carolina is still looking for. As I mentioned earlier, I think there's a chance... I. I Think there's a definite chance that somebody can emerge from that group that you brought up. That's going to probably be in a group of threes. I just season. feel like they're all three limited in in their own different ways. I I that's what I'm saying. So where I feel like if if Whitmore comes in, I think there's a chance that he could come in and start day one. I think that's a that that's a chance unless one of those three that we talked about breaks out and all of a sudden becomes the guy there and. I'm going to be honest with you, Leaky Black has never shown me that. I don't see that happening. Uh, and I think, like you said with Puff, I think there's some elements to his game that could be like his brother. But are we sure that – I don't know if he's going to be – Well, holding into that
0: standard not even fair. Right. Or.
1: So that's the thing but then you've got a guy in Whitmore who we feel like has some elite traits to him. That's where I think you could still sell him on the program. Now, the problem is is that you've seen a lot of the crystal ball sort of trend for him towards Villanova, which probably has something to do with the fact that Nickel was trending towards Carolina, but I also think that I mean that's a system that especially for these wing players they have done a tremendous job of of developing those guys. I hate to say it, yep. but they really have. I mean, that's one area where Jay Wright has knocked it out of the park. Like some of his guys, his point guards, you know, they've been iffy when they get to the next level. It, the guys that he has on the wing, they are good in college, and they are even better when they yep. get to the NBA. So I, I think that's what they're selling. And look, if if he if he picks that, And even if part of it is because of Tyler Nickel, you can't really blame him. To me, I would caution, if Cam Whitmore has that mindset or other people that are recruiting experts have the mindset that this means that Carolina is done at the position, I would pump the brakes there. I still think that they're going to pursue Cam Whitmore heavily because they feel that he is an elite enough prospect to add to this class, and they could still bring in both and keep both satisfied early on. I'm with you.
0: So that's that that's it for our recruiting discussion about the commitment of Tyler Nickel. We're going to wrap up the show with some UNCness. But before that, here's a message from DraftKings. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800 There you go, guys. Hope you guys have been taking great advantage of the promo codes and having fun, success. With what's been a great start to both the college football season and the NFL season. Before you know it, we will have uh, offers and deals for you guys revolving NBA games and, of course, college games. We're, we're under a month away from return from the NBA, and we're under two months away from the return of college basketball. As I mentioned, we're now going to wrap up the show with some other UNC notes. We finally have an ACC schedule, or oh, we're going to get it. Uh, the ACC is releasing the women's uh, schedule tonight on ACC Network the day of recording. They we're were going to release the men's on Thursday. Uh, we will be back on Friday to break down and go through that ACC slate. Working hard for you. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like every year we're getting later and later with the schedule released. I know Jim Phillips has been a busy man. He's been to virtually – every ACC school in the first two weeks of the season to watch one of them play football. I don't know how much fun it's been for them watching the ACC play football, but we finally will have an ACC schedule. Yeah, that's to, a task more than a <laughs> uh, hobby at this point. To tear to tear apart on the basketball side of things. Also, yesterday, Carolina announced the details for late night with Hubert Davis. It'll be Friday, October 15th, starting at 7.30 in the Smith Center A mission, of course, is always free. It will be hosted by Brian B. Dat McLaughlin. Um, just uh, if you don't know. Wait, him,
1: wait, wait, wait. One more time on that one. B. Dat. Right. B. Dat.
0: Um, he's, a, he's a great Carolina basketball follow on Twitter. He's he's a lot like us. He's a super fan, but he's also he's, he's Steve, a lot
1: more funnier. He's hype, man. Yeah. He, loves, he loves the
0: Tar Heels. So um, that's going to be fun. and it, it, it'll, it'll be a great environment. It's going to be a little bit of a different feel from what we've seen under Roy Williams, a lot more what they used to do when Dean Smith was the head coach with well, the I blue and like white game. Good.
1: I feel like it's good, too, though, because there's going to be a different feel with him there because he's more like – I mean, look, we've had some energetic guys before. Like, Jesse Holly was pretty energetic, but I feel like he's going to bring sort of like that DJ nightclub type vibe, which I think is cool. Just don't bring Snoop Dogg. Change it up. (laughs) Kansas
0: learned that the hard way.
1: Change it up, uh, you know, a little bit from what Roy did, and it gives Hubert sort of his own identity and feel
0: to this night, which I think is going to be cool. And I think it's important because, you know, when he took the job, he said, you know— I'm going to do the job with my personality. And this is how you start giving us your personality. Right, right. We'll, you know, we'll get a feel for it maybe in, in some press conferences. And of course, when you start coaching, but it's these type of ones where we get to see you in your element with your team on the court, what kind of guy you are. Um, so really going to be a great, exciting night. We are both, as of right now, planning on being in attendance for that. Hopefully, old Roy does show up. Um, if not, uh, you know, we, we know we're going to see him at some point during the basketball season. Speaking of Roy Williams, he attended the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend where um, he was there to unveil a Dean Smith bench at the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame up there in uh, Springfield. Um, Him and, undoubtedly, uh, Coach Calipari was there as a part to, uh, to help unveil this this part oh yeah uh,
1: he must have been really great yeah he I, I, must
0: have really been enjoying that sylvia hatchett was also up there but once i saw john calipari i can only imagine some of the quirks roy williams had to say for him about the way he dresses um and stuff like that also roy's just been very busy he retired Dude, i
1: was gonna say that like he, for a man that's retired this dude he was is golfing still somewhere on monday life, life. I, I mean it's I, I, it shows you right there that he just, he retired from coaching basketball, but that doesn't mean that this man is, I, he definitely has had to say this at one time when Wanda has asked him, where are you going? He said, Wanda, I'm retired. I ain't dead. Yeah. That's got to be, that's got to be in his repertoire somewhere, right? Because I, this dude is everywhere. So, I wouldn't be shocked if he's at late night. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, A couple more things. Andrew Platek, he's found
0: a new home. He will be transferring to Siena, uh, which I believe is
1: that's in upstate New York, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, good spot for him, closer to home. It's in a smaller conference. I mean, oh, dude, I can't remember the last time Siena has really been all that good. So, he should be able to get some playing time. I mean, it's probably been, what, since the late 2000s that they've? Been good. I mean, I think they've made a tournament since, but that that could be a good landing spot for him. I wonder how many
0: coaches receive received the footage of him dropping fifty in that summer league game,
1: dude. And he Sienna is, was the only taker. If he plays like that, dude, he is going to tear up the mat because I believe that's where Siena is at, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have a hard time convincing me, though, that like DePaul has 15 better players than Andrew Playtech. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. DePaul, I, I think that uh, Desmond Hubert would be a star for DePaul. Speaking, speaking like, of Aaron Des-
0: Rollman. Speaking of Desmond Hubert. Stop it. He signed a contract to play. He has been playing supposedly over in Finland. Yes. He is now joining a club over in Kuwait. So Desmond. Oh my gosh. Desmond Hubert, despite.
1: I, I did not know anything about that was the first name that came to my head. I Des, did not see anything about
0: despite it. a below thirty percent average at the foul line, <laughs> has, he has somehow managed to have a lengthy professional basketball career. Look, in all
1: seriousness, he I mean, he played about as hard as as any player when he was on campus. He, he's good defender. He was as good a rim protector as Carolina's had post-John Henson. He, so. could, he could score a little bit at the rim, yeah. It, get him to the free throw line, though, it's a little bit tough for him. But that's great, man. That's was, great to there, see that he's still out there playing. There
0: was a hackadez going on in the mid-2010s uh, when he was on the court. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you guys go, get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, we had you covered with all the Tyler Nickel news, so go back and check that out. The article a little bit more in-depth about kind of what it means for Carolina, um, and, and, and I really went the, went on the correlation of having an elite wing on a national title. Team, so we got you covered on the basketball front. Same thing once the ACC schedule gets released. I'll have an article going up that breaks down Carolina's ACC Basketball slate, football side of things, are getting you ready for Virginia. We will have the the Virginia podcast will be available. Um, the Virginia preview will, will be available. And Then following Saturday night's game in Keenan Stadium, there will be a recap, trench report, and a stock report on what we are hoping to be uh, a win for Carolina over Virginia. They haven't beaten the Cavaliers in their last four tries. Hoping we will stop that streak this weekend. So get over to the website heeltuffblog.com for the latest football and basketball news. For the podcast. We know we're on megaphone. We're part of the basketball podcast network um on every major podcasting platform Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, you name it, the Four Corners Podcast is there. Give us a like, um, review us as the host. But we want you guys to subscribe that way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library Let's gonna wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We'll thank you guys for listening. Want we'll to thank Anthony for hosting with me. And as always, goats our heels